What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Sports Ethos New Orleans Pelicans podcast. I am your host, Lyle Swithenbank. This is a sportsethos.com presentation. Follow us on Twitter at Lyle Swithenbank at Ethos Pelicans. Now, it's the start of February, or we're sort of a week into it now, and uh, after January, we're hoping to forget sooner rather than later. Um, I couldn't do it by myself. I couldn't unpack all of that. I couldn't be talking about the trade deadline. Couldn't be talking about the, the win streak that we're now on. So I've invited uh, the fantastic Will Guillory from The Athletic. Will, thank you so much for your time. It's great to have you on the show. How are you going, mate? I'm doing well, man. If there's anybody to talk to about depressing Pelicans basketball, it has to be me. I don't think anybody has covered more depressing basketball seasons than I have, and I'm more than happy uh, to be here. Well, we're not depressed anymore. I'm talking aloud. It's impossible to be depressed when you're talking aloud. Uh, it's impossible to be depressed after watching the way the Pelicans played last night as well. So it's it's good vibes only on this pod. Too right, and um, yeah, I mean, I I was very sporadic in getting podcasts out during the uh, the losing streak, um, <laughs> and that may just have come down because uh, to my attitude towards it, I was I was in the doldrums, and you know, Twitter's melting down, and you know, the sky is falling, and uh, you fall from first place to what did we get down to eleventh or something like that in the space of two weeks, and I mean, firstly, testament to how close the West is. Um, but what we what was your take? I suppose we'll start there and we'll build. I guess what was your take of, of January, the January to forget, um, being so close to it? Yeah, I mean, first off, you know, it's a no duh type situation, but it's really hard to win games without your two best players. I think that was the first thing that jumped out. They really missed Zion Williamson and Brandon Ingram, and you know, we knew uh, Bi's absence was long awaited. Uh, two months with that toe injury, everybody was kind of impatient. When is he going to get back? When is he going to get back? And then once he got back, as we expected, it took him about three or four games to finally get rolling and feeling like himself again. But, you know, the, the surprising thing with this team, you know, we talked all year about them having the deepest roster in the league, all of these young guys emerging. And during the 10-game losing streak, they just had the worst offense in the NBA. And I think it was by a nice little gap, too. And I think part of it was obviously not having ZNBI there, but I think a big part of it, just watching them, it, it, I think they just kind of lost some of that spirit 
some of that fire that they were playing with earlier in the season. I think that was a big part of their identity, the the Najee the knife kind of thing. You know, Jose Alvarado getting in the people. Uh, I think that, that brash confidence that was a big part of their identity, it was lost during that 10-game uh, losing streak. And I think they were playing timid. They were playing nervous. There were stretches where they would miss a couple shots, and you'll see shoulders slumping, heads down, guys arguing on their way to the bench. Uh, I think they kind of – started feeling a little weight on themselves. And I think that's how that losing streak goes from six to 10, just because guys were pressing so much and they felt like, oh God, here we go again. You know, whenever they would have a bad quarter. And I think getting that win over the Lakers was just a, a huge sigh of relief for everybody, just because they were like, okay, we are still good at basketball. We can still win games. You know, we can still get this home crowd into it. And I think that's at their safe space playing in the Smoothie King Center. That's when those role players are, you know, they're most confident. And I think getting these last two wins is just big just to get those guys feeling themselves again. I think that's when the Pels are at their best, when they're walking around feeling themselves, uh, talking their trash. And I think they were just kind of – you know, I don't want to say it's playing scared, but they were just playing way too timid uh, during that 10-game losing streak, and it, and, it, and it yielded some very ugly results. But I think now uh, you'll see them start looking like themselves again. And a big part of it is B.I. is looking like himself again. I completely agree. And I think um, even in each game, when they'd had that bad quarter, you could see the air go out of them. You know, they'd start – in some of the games, they would start so fast besides that one where we got – slapped in the first quarter was that the bucks i think just the put bucks, us to the yeah, flame yeah. um you know that was that was pretty tough to watch but the rest of them we were sort of up and about and then it was okay and you could see they sort of have the monkey come off the back and then they would let go of the rope they just dropped the heads for a second the other team would jump and they were unable to sort of grab hold of it and say hang on we're losing this game and um you know that theme of dropping one quarter a game that was you'd win the whole game except one quarter which you just couldn't dig the, out of the hole um must be demoralizing and uh, and frustrating to to be on a um you know on the court when you're like we beat these teams like we are hanging with them for the whole game and then you know they've hit three threes in a row and that 20 point lead or the 15 or 10 point lead that we've built is just gone and all the momentum's the other way um i mean you highlighted you're without one and 14. Was that 50-odd points a game? Uh, makes it pretty difficult. How has it been, I suppose, um, watching the guys, or have you found uh, watching the guys, uh, I suppose, reassimilate Brandon back in? And obviously, it's taken him a little bit of time to get that jump shot back. Um, he's rolling now, though. Uh, how have you found that sort of adjustment period? Was it expected? Yeah, I mean, when a guy misses that much time, and he talked about it when he came back, he's dealt with major injuries before, but he never missed that much time in season, yeah. right? He had the uh, the blood clot situation in his shoulder in L.A. where it kind of bled into the offseason, so uh, it was more of a, just a regular getting ready during the offseason type of thing leading yeah. up to his first year in New Orleans. But this was the first time where he sat this long during a season and then had to ramp up and get going in the middle of a season. So it was a different experience for him. He still wasn't very confident and pushing off on the toe. He's yeah. still, while he's playing, he's still dealing with some pain in the toe. So I, I think that was something for him to adjust to, just to, the mindset of, okay, 
I'm going to have to play through some pain. And it is what it is, and I've just got to get used to it and learn how to be effective while dealing with it. Uh, so I think all of that was an adjustment for him. And then, you know, when you're running the offense through, so much through CJ, now you got to run it through B.I. He likes the ball in different places on the court. How are they running these different sets with B.I. being involved? So all of that came into play. But I think, you know, all of these guys – feel their most confident playing next to B.I. I think, you know, as much of a talent as he is, and we know how incredibly – incredible everything he does on offense is, yeah. I think they look at Brandon Ingram still as the leader. I always say he's the guy with the C on his chest. He's yeah. the captain of this franchise, and I think that's when he's out there playing the way he did against L.A., that's when you really see everybody, like I said, feeling themselves, everybody kind of poking their chest out, talking a little bit more smack – because they're like, hey, we got this guy. We got we got 14. And I don't think it was a coincidence that we saw B.I. at his best taking 28 shots against the L.A. Lakers. Because we know he's got a history with that team. We know he's got a history with LeBron James. Uh, that was the team that drafted him. They gave him away. Uh, he was there, you know, in Indiana when they were chanting, LeBron's going to trade you. Uh, <laughs> I think all of that, as much as B.I. is not a guy who – is running out there angry, you know, cursing people out or anything like that. But you can't help but feel a little bit of something towards your old squad after they trade you. And I think he feels that way every time the Lakers line up across from him. So uh, it didn't surprise me at all to see him really catch fire against them and just put up. A, I mean, I don't remember the last time B.I. had 28 shots in one yeah. game. That showed <laughs> you just what type of mood he was in that night. Uh, so and, I, and they needed it, right? They needed it in that game. So I think. That's a big thing that he's feeling it, and, and not only is he scoring again, but he's doing it as I'm the guy running the offense. Everything's flowing through me. Everybody do what, Everybody's doing what they do off of what I'm doing, first and foremost, and that's what they need uh, with Z out. They need him to be that leader of the offense, and that allows CJ to be at his best. That allows all these other guys to play off of him, and that's when they're at their best because that was part of the struggles during the 10-game streak where all of these guys had to take two steps up basically, right? Without Z and B.I. in the lineup, you needed Jose Alvarado to consistently be a scorer. You needed Herb, uh, Herb Jones to consistently knock down threes. You needed Trey Murphy to consistently give you 15 to 17. And those guys aren't that, right? They're, they're role yeah. players who can play well in their role, uh, but you can't expect that from them on a night-to-night basis. And B.I. being himself allows them to slip back in a role that fits them. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And while the next man up mentality has been sort of touted as the almost the mantra of this uh, this team this season, stars matter in this league. You know, 15 players dictate how this league operates. And when you lose two of those 15, it makes it pretty tough to win. And, and you're looking at, you know, like you said, Herb, Jose, Trey, these are second-year players. Trey barely played in, his, in the first season. So really, you're looking at a guy just finishing that sort of rookie season, taking that same step thing now. Jose, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Jose was exactly the same. And um, I don't know many teams in the league that are running out three second-year players 
and expecting to be a, com- a competitive outfit night in, night out. I mean, of course they're going to upset, but you know, you're thinking of teams like the Magic, Houston, Detroit. All of these are young teams that, you know, don't have um, that A-grade star at the moment. Perhaps, you know, some of those guys will develop into that, but they don't win much. And um, you can understand when you're asking Najee Marshall, go and score 20 points a game. Trey Murphy, we need 15, 20, 25 from you every time. Herb, we need 15. Like you said, these are role players who are exceptional in their role to play off Brandon, to play off Zion, to play off CJ. Um, but, I mean, credit to the guys for showing up every day and, and, and trying their best, but, you know, you fall short and we saw that scoring, what, 104 points a game during that um, that losing streak, which, frustrating, but, uh, you know, <laughs> you can justify it. You can justify it and you can see where the issues were. Now we move to, you know, this sort of, almost, the I suppose, the final third of the season or even less now. Um, trade deadline coming up. Um, Zion moving well. It looks like he's moving all right. From all reports, he's he's. Someone said he was sprinting. I saw on one of the broadcasts, and he's yes. he's moving. You know, those hamstrings are a bit fickle. Do you have any updates on on Zion or um, and how he's tracking? He shouldn't be far off. Surely, it'd be five weeks or so. Yeah, during the past road trip, we saw him sprinting and running around, uh, doing some you know agility drill stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, you know, after shoot arounds, and I, we didn't see him practice during the last trip, but we saw him mm. after shoot around where he was, you know, basically doing some running, doing some uh, conditioning drill type things where they're slowly wrapping him up. I don't believe yeah. he's been cleared as of yet to do like one on one, five on five, anything contact based. Uh, but he's moving around more. Uh, I know he's been very conscious of being active, making sure uh, that he's not just sitting around and that he's going to actually be in great shape, be ready to hit the ground running when he comes back Mm. because that was a big conversation during his first few years in the league, right, where uh, it was a running joke. If Zion misses a week, who knows what he's going to look like when he comes back, right? And now uh, I know Jasper Bibbs is is traveling with him everywhere he goes, even during this time when he's injured. Uh, So he's putting the work in behind the scenes. I think he's very focused on kind of killing a lot of the narratives that followed him around during his first few seasons. And I know he wants to come back from this hamstring injury because one of the things he hates is kind of the old Z's always hurt kind of narrative yeah. that's been around him. And he, he's he's desperate to get back and, and really play a big role with this team. Uh, so I think the big thing for him is just continuing on that track, not rushing it. I know he really wants to play in the All-Star game. That's something that's very much in yeah. the air here in New Orleans. And I think you know his experience during his first All-Star game kind of affects that because that was during the COVID season where there was not a real crowd. He didn't have a real all-star weekend, right? Everybody kind of flew in the day of the game and flew out that night, you know? So he wants to have a real all-star experience, get introduced with the starters, have his moment. That's understandable for a young guy, but I think, you know, just from covering this team for the past four years, I always lean conservative when it comes to Zion Williamson. Whenever I hear a timeline, I lean on the back half of that timeline just because I've seen it before with Z. So I think he wants to be back for the All-Star game. I think they want him back for the All-Star game. Uh, But I'll believe it when I see it. I'll say it like that. And I want to – and I always keep an optimistic outlook. But I think 
you know, with him, uh, you never know because they want to make sure he's good. And as you said before, you can't play with these hamstring injuries. Yes. You know, it was 100%. one thing if he was coming back from a sprained ankle or a back contusion or something like that. A mm-hmm. uh, hamstring injury is something where you can feel amazing and then all yeah. of a sudden you pull up and you're out for two weeks again, right? So I think you got to be very smart with these type of things, especially with a guy with his body type, very unique. Very, you know, bigger than most guys. Uh, I think they're going to be extremely smart about bringing him back. Uh, but I think he's getting closer. He's moving around really well, and I think he looks good. He hasn't put on weight. I know everybody wants to know what his weight is. He does. He hasn't put on any weight or anything like that. Uh, and I think that, uh, man, I'm just looking forward to seeing him back on the court because it's been a long time since we saw Brandon Ingram and Zion Williamson play together, man. I mean, it's only been 12 games with him. And uh and and bi under Coach Willie Green. I mean, it's been two seasons and twelve games with these two guys. So I would just love to see them back on the court, just to see what it looks like, just to see how they can yeah. attack teams. Uh, just because you've seen the growth of all these other guys around them, and when those top two guys are on the court demanding all the attention that they're going to demand, uh, I think this offense can be extremely dangerous. Honestly, I mean, I just. I was sitting there watching the game uh, yesterday against the Kings and when Trey Murphy was just caught fire and, you know, he had six threes and was just, he looked he looked like the guy, you know, he, he was awesome. And all that potential and everything we've spoken about throughout the journey about Trey Murphy's potential was there. And you were like, he's got, he's got a, potentially everything. If we add Zion Williamson, you add Brandon Ingram, you add CJ McCollum and you put him on the court, it's just target practice for him. Like, he, he can't... He, what is he going to do? He's not going to have a defender anywhere near him. Um, you know, so when you've got the potential to have a 40% three-point shooter standing by himself, potentially the whole game, you know, that's uh, that's uh, something I think that we're all really excited about. I think we've seen in the, you know, in those 12 games that we had B.I. And, and Zion their ability to play off one another and their ability to know when someone's on and when's not. So, all right, you can be you can be Batman tonight. I'll be Robin. Let's get there and we'll get that W. Um, we saw that earlier on in the season where they talked to one another and they said, let's go and get this. You know, I think they came back from maybe six or something down. It was really early on in the season. It was like, all right, Zion, take over now. And when you have that ability for your stars to interact and say, we're the guys, you know, let's go and win this game. We missed that during January, I'll tell you what. But um. <laughs> I'm telling you. But the funny thing is, you know, thinking back to that time when they did play, play together, yeah. Zion had some really good games during that time, mm. but he was nothing like the Zion we saw in December, right? And it's similar yeah, exactly. to the conversation we've had about Brandon Ingram coming back from this toe injury. Zion missed an entire season. We're talking about – you know, really an entire year of basketball coming off of that COVID season. And it took him a while to get used to playing, get used to Willie Green's system. And for, frankly, Willie Green to get used to him, right? Because Willie Green built his system around Brandon Ingram. And that was his whole Mm. thing last year, bringing out the best from Brandon Ingram. And he obviously achieved that. It was Brandon's best season of his career. He was incredible during the playoffs. And during the start of the season, I think it took Willie Green some time to be like, okay, I got to, you know, give Z some of this offense. I got to run some more of it through him. Obviously, Z's going to get his touches, but I think it took B.I. being out for Willie Green to be like, okay, I'm going to go in all in on Point Zion. And that's when we saw him putting up 30 a game, doing some incredible stuff during the month of January. But it took some time for them to get there. And it, by the time it happened, B.I. wasn't in the lineup. So we really didn't see what it looked like. So 
when they're when they do uh, finally get in the lineup together, I think again it's going to be an adjustment period for everybody to figure out what yeah. the offense looks like, how much of it goes through Bi, how much of it goes through Z, what it looks like in particular late in games. Uh, but again, like you mentioned, just the talent is going to be you know overwhelming on certain nights where uh, some of these teams are going to be like, we just have to leave Trey Murphy open. And then Trey's going to be standing there over (laughs) like, thanks. (laughs) Two thumbs up. I appreciate it. Cause uh, I mean, one thing right now he's, he's, he's loving all the attention he's getting and the shots he's getting, but I know he's tired of, uh, of being such a big focal point on people's, Uh, scout report, right? He's he's he misses some of those open shots he was getting when Z was in the lineup. So when Z comes back, he, he's you're gonna see a huge smile on his face because uh, he's gonna be getting a lot of open jumpers. Because you can't put one guy on Z. Sometimes you can't even put two guys on him. You yeah. gotta put uh, damn near half the team to stop him from getting to the paint. And if you do that, you're gonna have Tree over there open. You're gonna have CJ over there open. Yeah. Bi. Uh, so yeah, this this offense is gonna be dangerous, but. The big thing is they just got to get some time together to work out the the, the kinks uh, because, you know, once we come back from the All-Star break, it's going to be a sprint to the finish. Yeah. And yeah. you mentioned it earlier, there are going to be a lot of teams fighting for playoff spots in the West, and there are going to be several teams at the end of the season on the outside looking in like, how did we get here? You know, awesome. and, and obviously yeah. the Pelicans don't want to be there, but it's going to be a fight every single night to hold your position. And we saw with this 10-game losing streak how quickly you can go from the top of the world to the bottom of the barrel, you know, and they've got to make sure they got their ducks in a row because uh, teams are going to come with it, you know, after this All-Star break. Yeah, I completely agree. And, I mean, we look at Memphis who have dropped eight of their last nine. You know, it happens so fast. And if, you know, they're going to start dropping, I think they're only three or four games ahead of third now, whereas they had a really good buffer. But then we're only three games back from, what are we, 10th or something at the moment, and we can jump all the way to third in, in two games. You know, that's, right. that's crazy. Um, you see Dallas making moves, going getting Kyrie Irving. If that works out, that's another powerhouse team with probably the best backcourt in the league, I, I think. Um, you know, that's, that's unreal, and that's in our um, division. So, love that for us. But, um, Good times. Yeah, <laughs> you know... Um, I think we can hang with any team in the league and we've proven it. we just got to get healthy and that's been the asterisk. Even coming into this season, it was like this team w- wins the whole thing, I think, if you're healthy. I think we just blow teams out the water and on paper, you know, that's always the big asterisk, isn't it? On paper, you know? Um, on paper, right. We're, um, we're a great side, but we've just got to get everyone, um, everyone in and hopefully Zion, you know, back for the All-Star. Fingers crossed. Like you said, you know, the hamstring injuries are, are fickle. You you come back a week too early, even though you're feeling really good, and you end up like Bradley Beal and you're sitting watching again. Um, yeah. You know, it, it happens. I mean, I've never played professional sport, but I've had plenty of hamstring injuries playing amateur sport, and uh, you think you feel good, and then you go to pick the ball up or you just push off the wrong way or you get a bump the wrong way and your hamstring is screaming at you. So... Um, you know, I think take his, his time to get back and, you know, really push from that all-star break onwards. I mean, this week is uh, an interesting one. You know, we sort of talked about, well, I touched on the little trade that Dallas made. It is trade deadline week. Um, I think the ninth is, is cut off. Is there any is there any movement, I suppose, happening close to home for us, do you think? is there, Do you think the Pelicans make a move or are we just 
we're just getting healthy and that's the move. Bring Zion back, bring Dyson Daniels back and, and, and go for it. Yeah, for, uh, for me, this week is a whole lot of uh, what you saw me do earlier in the podcast where my phone goes, goes off and I immediately stop everything I'm doing and I stare at the screen just in case uh, a Shams bomb comes through or something happens sure. where you're just living in constant paranoia. But uh, I think the good thing uh, for me is that, you know, this year is not as paranoid as last year where I think a lot of us were anticipating that C.J. McCollum trade. And, uh, and this year, I think... You know, they're going to be active. David Griffin is always active. He's always looking around. He's always, you know, putting feelers out there to see what kind of value his guys have in the open market. But I don't think they're going to be too aggressive. I think when you hear names like OG Ananobi, Bojan Bogdanovic, John Collins, I'm not sure they want to make that type of commitment for all the reasons we've talked about. We haven't seen this team fully healthy. Yeah, They still probably need a year or two of playoff experience before they should be considered a real championship contender. Mm-hmm. Uh, they really don't know what they need around a Zion Williamson-Brandon Ingram tandem just because those guys haven't played enough together for them to be like, okay, we've got to have this type of player next to them. So I think – all of, that's all a part of the process during the second half of the season. But I do think they have some clear holes that they need to fill. They got to add at least one more shooter. Uh, yeah, Willie Green 100%. has said it all season. They need to get more threes up. Uh, they're already a good three-point shooting team percentage-wise. They need, just need to get more of them up. Uh, yeah. They need a, another guy in there who's a volume three-point shooter. Uh, they probably need a little bit more size on the perimeter where you're playing uh, – C.J. McCollum, Devontae Graham, Kyra Lewis, Jose Alvarado, a bunch of small guards, right? You probably turn one of those guys into a bigger wing or at least a two guard that can uh, guard up a little bit more. And, you know, I think the third one is probably just a little bit more rim rim protection, right? Uh, This team is last in the league at defending the rim. Uh, JV is a big body. He, He does well in positional defense, but he's not really a shot blocker. Uh, I will say the same thing's true for Larry Nance, right? Really good yeah, with great. his positioning. Not a whole lot. He's not, you know, pinning stuff against the backboard. So I, I, I think that's probably a little bit lower just because those guys don't come available, and you know, in trade deadline time. Those guys are usually getting big money, uh, the real shot blockers in this league. So I think uh, the main thing I'm keeping an eye on is just shooting. They need more shooting. Uh, guys like Gary Trent, Malik Beasley, uh, yeah. those are the names I'm keeping an eye on. Uh, just because when you're you're talking about Zion Williamson, we mentioned it, he's going to see a lot of double and triple teams. You're going to get a lot of open shots, and this team has done a decent job of making those shots, but they got to make more of them. They got to shoot more of them because if you're going to be a top-tier offense, you got to have that variance where certain nights you can win a game just by winning 23-pointers. We see it all the time with some of these other teams around the league. It doesn't happen as much in New Orleans, and it should happen more when you have offensive players that can demand the attention that the guys, these guys are able to. Uh, so that's my big thing is just finding one more shooter. I don't think they're going to be sending out two, three picks to go get a guy like OG Ananobi. I think he would yeah. be a great fit, but I don't know if this is the right time to make that type of commitment. Uh, I think making a smaller move for another shooter uh, would be really smart at this time. I completely agree, and um, I think you hit the nail on the head. And from everything that you know, you hear around the the traps of you know the chatter and stuff like that. I think like the Beasley, I really like Malik Beasley. I think um, if you could go and get Beasley and Vanderbilt, you 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 sort out you know two a two holes straight away. I mean Vanderbilt always just um, you know hammers us every time we play him. He plays like <laughs> prime uh came and um, every time i, I see him i'm like man i would hate to play basketball against jared vanderbilt 
He just seems like a guy that's like, get off of me. Like, why are you just always <laughs> on my back? Stop moving around so much. He's one of those guys. He just seems like uh, just one of the most annoying guys in the league to play against. Honestly, it's so long, so athletic. And every time you're like, all right, I'm just going to grab a rebound. And he's over the top of you already. And you're like, oh, <laughs> and he's got it. You're like, why? Please stop. Uh, you know, JV sitting there just getting jumped all over. And the refs are going to let that happen because the guy's dunking it back over your head. Um, you know, I'd love to see someone a bit springy like that that can play that 4-5 sort of position um, as well as someone we can defend really well as well. But, um, you know, also that sort of scoring guard, a little bit bigger, the 6'4", 6'5", even, you know, 6'5", 6'6", sort of size that you can switch onto the threes, some of those smaller fours, strong sort of fella. Um, because at the moment, look, we've got a glut of, of small guards and while they all have a, a different, you you find when we do those, that full switching offense, or defense, sorry, you, you can't, you get exposed because you're sitting there, oh, Devontae Graham has now switched onto a center and CJ's already exactly. guarding a six foot seven, you know, exactly. like th- a three. So it, um, it makes it pretty tricky, but I, I think that's spot on. Um, Dyson Daniels, big guard, as Joel Myers always calls a big guard. Um, big guard. You know, he's got to come back after he folded his ankle a few weeks ago, uh, disappointing his Aussie fans and as Pels fans. Um, do you have any any updates on him or how he's tracking? Hopefully, uh, sooner rather than later, because he might, you know, change that up a little bit as well in terms of having to get a bigger guard. Oh, no doubt. I, I think he will be a big addition mm. whenever he can get back for the reasons we just mentioned. A guy a little more switchable. I think he's done a a pretty decent job shooting that three ball this year, which is something I didn't yeah. expect for him to be as advanced as a spot-up guy in his rookie season. And the unfortunate thing is I think he was just starting to hit his stride right before he got hurt. He had the unfortunate thing in Miami where he gets the five seconds at the end of the game. I thought it was a bad call. And I thought the most unfortunate part was I thought that was one of his better games. I thought he did an excellent job that day defending Jimmy Butler, making some plays in the open court. You see his vision on offense. He's not a guy who's running a million pick and rolls, but he just knows how to make all the right passes at the right times. Uh, I think he's got that Herb Jones in him where he just understands how to use his body, knows how to be in the right place at the right time defensively. I really love everything he brings to this team. And every time I watch him, I'm like, man, how is this guy 19 years old? It seems like he's so mature and he has such a great understanding of the game uh, for a guy who's still a baby. (laughs) You know, when I look at him, he's like, he's still a baby. And, but yeah, I think just from seeing him around uh, the team, especially during his last road trip, we saw him gradually improving. Uh, He stopped wearing the boot after a while. He started doing stationary shooting. Uh, We saw him yesterday. He's, he's no longer doing stationary shooting. Now he's doing jump shooting. Uh, He's getting up three pointers, getting up workouts uh, before, four games and you know I had somebody tell me before the game last night that yeah he's a he's a fast healer he's getting there so I expect him uh, to be back sooner rather than later I think uh, he's going to be big for them when he gets back especially if they make a trade and they need some more minutes from him so I think uh, we're going to see more of him and I, I had somebody tell me before the season that they believe that Dyson Daniels was going to be a finishing guy for them in the playoffs. And I was like, all right, yeah, I get it. You love your draft pick, whatever. Uh, but I think 
he's kind of making that progression that they anticipated from him before the season. It's kind of similar to what they did with Trey Murphy last year where everybody early in the season was like, man, why isn't Trey Murphy playing? Garrett Temple's out there bricking jumpers. Just put Trey Mm -hmm. Murphy in. And they kind of had this big picture plan of how they wanted him to develop, what they wanted him to focus on, and you saw it kind of come to fruition around playoff time. And I think they had that same vision with Dyson Daniels going into this season where the playoff time, the playing time, I should say, wasn't going to be consistent. There are going to be certain nights where he struggled. But you see the plan there they have for him. And you saw it come together, especially uh, right before he got injured. And I think he's going to be a, a big piece of this team once they get healthy. A guy who just knows how to play around other stars. That's what I loved about him coming into the draft. He's not necessarily Ben Matherin where he's going to go out there and get yeah. you 25. Uh, but he just knows how to play with other great players. And I think that's going to really stand out. Once he has those great players around him, right? Once Zion and B.I. is out there, he just knows how to be that connector. He knows how to get to the right spots on the floor. And he's very unselfish in the way he plays defense. He puts his body on the line. He goes against those great guys. And I think he's going to be a really, really good player, man. I think that's a great pick for them. And like I said, I just thought it was really unfortunate when he got hurt because I thought he was really starting to find himself during that time. Yeah, I completely agree. Honestly, it looked like um, he had that confidence where I suppose the imposter syndrome of getting drafted and like getting in there, you know, sort of dissipates a bit. Like, I can hang with these guys, you know, and I can beat them. And when you've got a guy that, you know, he stripped Luca, what do you do? You know, that Anthony Edwards uh, defensive possession where we came back against the Timberwolves, got to meet him after that, which was sick. But um, anyway, (laughs) I digress. Still excited about that. Um, You know, he. Um, has taken leaps and bounds. And it is unfortunate these injuries happen right when you get your confidence in. You know, you've got your solid playing time. You've earned your spot. You've got a role carved out. People are starting to talk about you and say, Dyson needs to be in the game. And then you get injured and through no fault of your own. I mean, what do you tread on a guy's foot again? And, yeah. you know, you're out for a number of number of games. And, and hopefully, yeah, it rings true and that... Uh, that fast healing ability uh, happens and, and he's back sooner rather than later because I think he is yeah. going to be really critical down the stretch and for we, us. And we talked about this before the start of the pod. I think the mm. one concern is that this has been a consistent issue with him with the ankle injuries, right? Yeah. And we've seen this with other guys, especially younger guys coming into the league where you, you stack up some of these ankle injuries and it starts to become a problem. And even more than your physical issues, you start to get a little hesitant in crowds, right? You start to get a little hesitant getting off of your feet and jumping around other guys. And and that's what you don't want to see with Dyson, right? One of the things I love about him is that he's so reckless. He doesn't care about hitting the floor. He doesn't care about putting his body in front of people. And I think that's the one thing that I would say I, I really hope that these ankle injuries don't start piling up on him and it becomes an issue uh, because I want him to continue to play with the same mindset, which is he doesn't care about putting his body on the line. And I think that's what makes a great defender, right? That's yeah. one of the things that makes Herb who he is. He's willing to jump in front of LeBron, and he's like mm-hmm. 80 pounds lighter than LeBron. But he's like, I'm going to put my chest right here, and we're going to collide, and we'll see how it goes. <laughs> and that's the way you have to play defense in the NBA, and Dyson has that. But you got to have a healthy body uh, to be able to do that as well. Absolutely. I mean, that's, that's the hardest part is, is staying on the court. And when it's it's not like he was doing anything. That's what's frustrating. It's not like he was doing anything out of the ordinary. He like stepped back on someone's foot or he jumped up and grabbed a rebound and his ankle's just 
overturned and you know that could happen to anyone and i think that's the the frustrating part is that you know we get this sort of narrative that goes around it's like oh he's got weak ankles his ankles are crook and all of that it's like well you know he's trod on three three feet in a row and every time it's folded i mean i feel for him but like you said you don't want it to become a mindset that you're not going to then attack the rim or you're not going to go and jump as high or you're not you know you're not willing to to put your body on the line on defense for the fact that you don't want to get injured um, i mean i think that's what makes him um a, a bit of a fan favorite at times with his defensive ability because he is so reckless and tough and as a 19 year old he's like i'll go at anyone like i'll take the charge from the center barreling down the lane it doesn't worry me um which i mean you know better him than me but uh <laughs> you know um, you know i wouldn't be doing that but you know that's um that's something i'm really impressed with um Will, thanks so much for your time today. It's been honestly awesome chatting with you and it's been much too long before we got you on here. Um, do you have any final uh, thoughts or anything that you, you foresee for the um, for the season coming up? Do you think we make the playoffs and do you think we make some noise in the playoffs, I suppose? Big picture, I mean, if you don't want to answer that, it's also fun. No, I think this is definitely a playoff team. I, I think especially with B.I. coming back and playing – uh, the way we're used to seeing him playing, I think we they'll look similar to the way they looked last year, uh, right before that playoff run. I think he's that important. Uh, I think he's uh, does that much for his teammates. And then once they get Zion back, I think they're going to be one of the best teams in the West. Uh, I think they're going to be very dangerous. Uh, whatever team seems other in the first round, I promise you they won't want to play the Pelicans. Yeah. Nobody wants to guard Zion Williamson for seven games straight. Uh, I feel sorry for whoever uh, the defender is that has to stay in front of him and get ran over 20 times a game <laughs> because you know what's coming. And like I said, when you're a defender, you got to say, hey, I'm going to put my chest here. We're going to collide, and we'll see what happens. And when uh, sometimes when B.I. is that guy hitting you, you can take it. When Zion's that guy, it's not as fun. Uh, <laughs> so we'll see how that how that goes for a seven-game series. Uh, but, yeah, I think this team gonna, is going to be really dangerous when they're fully healthy. I think they're getting that confidence back. They're getting that swagger back. Uh, and I'm excited to see what this stretch run is going to look like, not just for them. Uh, the West is going to be insane, man. I don't know how it's going to play out. Uh, I think it's safe to say that Denver's going to be the one seed. Yeah. And from there, uh, who knows what's going to happen. And, and I think it's going to be extremely fun. And I think uh, one thing's for sure, we're going to be headed to L.A. in about a week or so. And mm-hmm. I, I cannot wait to see that game because I know B.I. is going to be up for it. Uh, there's a chance Zion's going to be playing in that game. And I know LeBron and AD are going to be looking for revenge. So uh, that's I think that's the game I'm looking forward to most right now, especially because once they come back from L.A., I'll be on vacation oh. <laughs> for a all-star break. And I'm going to Even be enjoying better. Mardi Gras here in New Orleans. So uh, I'm looking forward to that game, but I'm also looking forward to after that game where I can get me some Mardi Gras in my system. Uh, that sounds like the perfect game to finish on before you head into into a bit of a uh, bit of downtime. I'll, I'll call it downtime, but I don't know if it is yeah, in Mardi Gras. Really. But, um, that that might excellent. be the most taxing point in the schedule is my Mardi Gras uh, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> to right, I am very jealous that I'm not over for that, but um, I'll have to tee it up one year and make sure I'm I'm there and uh, also um, yeah get my downtime at. Uh, at Mardi Gras one year. But, um, Will, thank you so much. Guys, if you're out there and you're not reading Will's stuff, you're doing yourself a disservice. All of your content, everything you put out, mate, it's just is A-class and, um, yeah, really, um, 
really appreciate all the coverage and, and insight that you, you give the Pels fans and everyone. It is um, it's much appreciated, and we really appreciate you spending some time with us today and, and you know, chatting Pels. It's been great. No, nah, man, I appreciate you. Like we said, man, it's been a long time coming. I'm glad we're able to get it done. And I do want to tell all the listeners, I've got something coming out with my guy Eric Kareen out there in uh, Toronto so tomorrow. We're talking OG Ananobi, Gary Trent trade. So that'll be dropping on the website tomorrow. Uh, and thanks again for having me on, man. I'm looking forward to doing it again. To the right, and I'm very excited for that to drop. So uh, if you're not running out to go and uh, check that out, well, you know, you're just wasting your time reading anything else. So go and have a look. And, uh, Will Guillory, everyone, thank you very much. Guys, this has been the um, Sports Ethos New Orleans Pelicans podcast. I'm your host, Lyle Swithenbank, here with Will Guillory from The Athletic. Stay safe, and of course, bye for now. special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low, net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.